So I've um, been really enjoying the seminars here. I hope they've been serving you well. Um, so good to have Terry so that I could just listen to him for hours and hours and hours. What a guy. And, uh, but really good to have Tim um, with us this morning. So uh, Tim's going to be talking about leading young people into the presence of God. And Tim's got so much experience with this. He's been a youth leader. He's also a worship leader. Um, uh, leads worship on different kind of platforms in different settings. He's also a church leader. And um, so bringing a whole wealth of experience and and wisdom and knowledge and and all of that um, with him today. So really excited about where he's going to take us. just say again, we will have actually a bit more time just to pray at the end of, of, of what Tim brings um, this morning. But if you have got questions, p- please feel free to keep um, texting those in. So we've got the number um, behind us. And uh, I was even getting texts like text messages kind of in the afternoon yesterday where people are like, oh, I've just thought this. And what do you think about that and stuff? So having some good conversations. It's always a bit weird when you're having conversations with people you haven't got a clue who you are and all of that. So maybe you could give me a little description about you. No, you don't have to do that. Um, so the photo and stuff. No, if you've got a question, I hope uh, if we've been kind of replying and stuff, I hope that's been helpful. And um, if it's not, come back at us and say, well, what about this? And, and, and all of that. Very happy to kind of keep having um, those conversations. And uh, it's just another way that we can just support one another and, and kind of keep equipping. It's getting me thinking about stuff as well, thinking, well, how would I deal with that in my youth setting? Or, or what, do, what does the Bible say about that and stuff? So, so keep kind of bringing those in. We'll try and answer as many at the end of today, but if we don't get through them, then we'll just uh, text you throughout the day. Also, just highlight us as well on Facebook, we've got the New Day Youth Workers, Youth Leaders um, group page. So if you're not part of that and you're on Facebook, then do request to be part of that. That's where we put out a lot of information and uh, we're just going to be looking to put different resources out. And it's just a place where you can kind of ask questions and, and just find out kind of what's going on around the place. And um, We've been saying over the last few days, we are not running the Youth Workers Conference at Centre Parks um, this January, which I know is sad for, for many of us who have I've been think, going to that for 20 years and stuff. Love love what that conference has done and what it's brought, but we're feeling something new is is um, is needed. So, um, so this year, we're going to be doing a days conference at the O2 Indigo venue in London, um, a full day on the 9th of February, and it'll be a training, equipping, refreshing uh, day for youth leaders. As a youth worker with a team, I'm going to look to still um, make it a weekend um, for my team. So we have a kind of retreat element to it, but then get there for um, for the day and get all the um, my youth team and other youth leaders I know um, to that. So do put it in the diary, do support it, do get involved, and we'll be developing that kind of from from um, this February kind of onwards. So um, so do be ready to kind of give feedback and input and help us kind of shape that together so that we serve um, you well. Okay, brilliant. I will hand you over to Tim. Let's welcome Tim up. Well, hello. Jesus is really kind, isn't he? Just a few of you in here believe that. That's good. Uh, well, maybe I'll change what I'm going to talk about. Um, no, Jesus is so kind. He has a really sneaky way, doesn't he, of when we're our most tired, at our most vulnerable place, of just working something incredible out of that. And I'm just expecting, as you guys are, I'm just up for the day. And I'm already tired and sweaty from the morning, but you guys have been serving faithfully all week. And I'm expectant today that as you uh, kind of uh, look towards the end of the week that you're going to encounter Jehovah Sneaky, Jesus the Sneaky One, who knows exactly where you're at, exactly what you need this morning. And uh, I'm expecting uh, incredible times of encounter for you and refreshing uh, for you guys. I hope you're up for that. Is that okay? Good. A few more of you. Good. 
Um, it is really warm in here, isn't it? So feel free to turn to the person on your left and right and blow in their face. That might bless them. Make sure you've got a chewing gum in your mouth or something. Um, otherwise, it won't bless them. Okay. I want to tell you uh, about uh, a young boy we had in our church a number of years ago. Uh, many of you will know uh, young people like this. Uh, this kid was somewhat difficult. Uh, he was known to fight uh, with the other kids. He would disrupt anything and everything that was going on. He fell out with the kids' leader uh, num- uh, numerous times and even told her that he hated her and wished that she was sacked. I don't know if you've ever had that uh, said to you. Uh, He later then moved up to our youth group uh, with all the same tendencies. Um, For 18 months, he had resolved to hate his youth leader. Uh, He made life really difficult for her, even though she gave him lots of opportunities and continued to believe in him. He had a real uh, fiery temper. He threw strops. He picked fights with other boys in the group. There was a time he ended up in A&E with a fractured arm after picking a fight with two other boys. And then came this one Sunday where the young people were taught about the Holy Spirit uh, and they were offered uh, an opportunity to be prayed for the filling of the Holy Spirit. The boy said yes, and so there he sat, and imagine this, in this white plastic garden chair in the middle of an old Baptist classroom that had harsh yellow flickering lights and an old grey musty carpet. Um, This is grey. It doesn't look too musty at the moment. It's okay. He sat there with his eyes scrunched, closed, and his hands held out like this on the chair. And before he had the opportunity to become restless and disruptive, the presence of God came upon him in a significant way. The Holy Spirit came upon him like a weight, almost like he was pinned to his seat, unable to move. There was an incredible sense of peace that came over him. He shook a little, uh, and not once did he open his eyes, look around, or disrupt anyone. He was captivated in this encounter. After what must have been around 20 minutes in this counter, uh, he opened his eyes and looked about the room as he tried to process just what had gone on in those past 20 minutes. Although he couldn't quite express what had happened to him, he certainly knew who had happened to him in that moment. He had an encounter with Holy Spirit that changed his life, but not in the way that you might think, because his behavior didn't change. Unfortunately for his youth leader, his attitude didn't change immediately. The boy went on then, uh, after that, to have a ropey number of years in his teens. He wrestled with uh, the pull of the world, the things uh, that he encountered in school, the things that he encountered as he began to work into his uh, late teens. Uh, He was pulled by that, and he had a ropey time. He did know what was right, though, having grown up in the church. He was the son of an elder, and he became, uh, and it was because of that, he felt the weight of the expectation of the church upon his shoulders. He didn't want to engage with that. He struggled in his teens. But I've got some good news for you. It's not all hopeless and despair. This boy, now an adult, is not only committed to Jesus and walking with him, but he is pastoring a church congregation. This boy was me. I was not a pleasant young man. I was not a pleasant teenager. I was not pleasant for my youth leader, my kids' leader. I worked very hard uh, to get them into trouble, and I just wasn't a very nice guy. But I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that changed my life. It didn't change my life immediately, but what it did, it, it anchored my life. 
So whatever I struggled with in my teenage years, whatever pull came at me, whatever lure of the world came uh, towards me, I had this anchor. And even though uh, throughout my teenage years, uh, I didn't want to live for Jesus, I couldn't deny him. Do you get that? When you have an encounter with the presence of God that's so real, so tangible, you can't deny that. So I had this anchor wherever I went. When I went off to university, when I, uh, when I engaged in w- with what I engaged in, I always had this anchor, this experience to, to, uh, to pull me back uh, to where God wanted me. He had gripped my heart in that moment, and it took me a little while to walk that out. So I don't know if that's encouraging to you this morning. I don't know if you know anyone like I was. I don't know if you have, have anyone in your youth group that is difficult. I don't know if you struggle sometimes with thoughts that maybe you feel like you shouldn't have. Is there any hope for this kid? Is there any hope for change uh, for this young person? It was the faithfulness of my youth leader, my kids worker at the time, who saw something in me that uh, other people didn't see that saw something that was beyond what was my external expression of what was going on in life. They saw potential in me, and they kept uh, giving me opportunity. They kept believing in me. Even though I told them I hated them, they stuck with me and championed me and pushed me on. And actually, I want to encourage you today, if you're feeling at your kind of wit's end with any of your young people or any of the work that you're doing, that actually just being faithful to the young people that God brings you uh, will have a significant impact on their lives, even if you don't see it. Even if you don't see it immediately, even if you only hear uh, it 15, 20 years down the line, what you are doing now in the faithful and the little and calling out the best in every young person, even if others can't see it, that will have a significant impact on their lives. So I hope that's encouraging for you. But I'm here to talk about the presence of God, encounter. That was the thing above all else uh, that anchored my life. See, God marked out my life uh, with a series of encounters after that. And that was his way of letting me know he was meeting me where I was at. I didn't have everything together. certainly didn't have everything sorted out. But God still met with me. He came to me where I was at. And he wants to do that for each of us in this room today, wherever we're at. He wants to come to you and meet with you. None of us have it all sorted. Terry Virgo, wonderful man. I'm so gutted to have missed him yesterday. Even he doesn't have everything sorted. But God will come and meet us where we're at. And his presence, his counter, his presence is his mark upon your life to say, I am with you. So I've been thinking about this. Uh, So thankful uh, to Wayne and Bex for inviting me here. Thinking about what is it about the presence of God and young people uh, that God wants to talk about today. And as much as experiencing the presence of God for myself was life-changing, there's, a, there's another part to it. So if we just had a great personal experience of God but never took the presence of God out to where he's calling us, I think that's only half the picture. So I want to talk to us a little bit about becoming aware of the presence, engaging uh, with God in encounter, but also how we uh, ourselves and lead our young people into releasing the presence of God on the earth. That's our mandate. That's what Jesus uh, commissioned the disciples to do when he said, go and uh, heal the sick, preach the good news, raise the dead, uh, all of these things. This is all, uh, all under the, uh, the banner of the presence of God having his presence cover the earth, fill the earth. And it's my heart for our young people that they don't just know God for themselves, but they understand how to release the presence and bring hope to whatever environment that they're in. 
If you've got a Bible, quickly uh, turn to John chapter 1. We're just going to read a couple of verses, but I want us to get a real vivid picture of what's going on here. Okay, so try and picture this as we're going along. Uh, Verse 32 says, And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. You've got this wonderful picture. Jesus uh, comes to John and says, you need to baptize me. John's taken aback by this. He says, I'm not even worthy to, uh, to untie your sandals. Uh, but Jesus insists. And Jesus is there in the lake. He's baptized. He's gone under the water and he's come up out the water. And at this moment, it says here, there's really vivid uh, pictures like the heavens split open and, uh, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. It wasn't actually a dove. Uh, he's using a picture, a metaphor there. Uh, and he not just came and rested on Jesus, but he remained on Jesus. I wonder, just have a think, what would you do if a dove came and landed on your shoulder? How would you uh, react? I've got a friend who has a real phobia of birds. He'd probably run a mile. Um, But what would you do if a dove, and you wanted the dove on your shoulder, what would you do if the dove landed on your shoulder? How would you change the way that you live? If you wanted that dove to go wherever uh, wherever you went, it went with you. How would you walk? Maybe ask your neighbor, how would you how would you move around? How would you walk if you wanted that dove to remain on your shoulder? Maybe ask your neighbor. Any quick answers? How would you feel if you wanted that dove? How would you change the way you walked? How would you live life if you wanted that dove to remain? Any, any answers? Softly and gently. No suddenness. With bird food. I like that one. That's good. Conscious that it's there. What did you say? Tie it down. <laughs> yes, you might end up with something else on your shoulder if you tie the bird down. Um, so a lot of these answers are based around being careful. Uh, am I right? It's uh, being careful. You don't want to scare the dove away. Um, really aware. Someone was talking about, um, wh- what did you say, Anne-Maria? Yeah, conscious that it's there, taking every step not to, uh, not to frighten the bird away. That's a good answer. But I don't think it's the best answer because that answer is so consumed with our movements, what we are doing to affect the bird or the dove. I think a better answer, uh, how would you walk if you wanted that dove to remain? You would walk every step with the dove in mind. And I think that's what I want to communicate to us today, that actually as the Holy Spirit rests upon us as we host the presence of God uh, there is this sense of it's not about being so hyper aware of our own movements but it's about being so attentive to his that we know exactly where he's going and where he's leading my heart is for our young people that they become so aware of the Holy Spirit uh, that they know what he's saying where he's moving what he's doing in any given moment Let me just um, quote you something here. Um, I read this in a book called Host in the Presence. It says this, The Holy Spirit is in us for our sake, but he is upon me for yours. 
And there's this thing uh, in the New Testament. Obviously, Jesus had the Holy Spirit descend and remain on him. You see this uh, remarkable thing uh, with the disciples where uh, um, Jesus breathed uh, the Spirit into the disciples uh, after his resurrection. Uh, But then they also had the Holy Spirit fall upon them uh, on the day of Pentecost. And you think, well, what was that about? And if you, if you take a, a view back to uh, Genesis, the Garden of Eden, uh, what does God do in creation? He forms creation. He then forms uh, Adam and Eve. Uh, and what does he do when he's formed their, their bones, their flesh? He breathes life into them to complete his creation. And so when I look at uh, uh, Jesus breathing the Holy Spirit into the disciples uh, after his resurrection, what is he doing there? Well, how many know that being a Christian is not just believing in the, uh, the death of Jesus, but it's being uh, believers in the resurrection of Jesus. That's really key. And these disciples, seeing the resurrected Jesus for the first couple of times, they become reborn as they'd be the first Christians as we would know it. So in that new birth, a bit like uh, in the Garden of Eden, uh, Jesus breathes life to complete that creation, to complete that birth. And so they have the Holy Spirit in them. And the Holy Spirit is in them uh, to, uh, he's the spirit of adoption, the the one who cries out, Abba, Father. Uh, He confirms our identity in Christ. He uh, begins that uh, inner transformation inside of us. He is in us for our sake. And how many know he doesn't leave uh, when he uh, comes to live within us? He doesn't leave you. However you live, he doesn't leave you. He is within you and he's uh, within you to stay. But then the disciples experienced this at Pentecost uh, when the Holy Spirit came and rested upon them. And again, if you've, uh, if you've read the book of Acts or heard anyone talk on the book of Acts, you'll hear that uh, the Holy Spirit came to enable for, for world evangelization, for mission. So the Holy Spirit came upon them for the sake of others. They already had him inside for their sake, but it was to rest upon uh, for the sake of others. And you see that with Jesus. Jesus begun his ministry after being baptized and the Holy Spirit coming and remaining, resting on him. Does that make sense? I'm building a little picture for us in terms of a vision of how I, uh, I see our young people affecting the world. Let me, uh, let me talk to you about pilot training. Is anyone a pilot in here? Anyone fly a plane or anything like that? No, good. Well, I'll get away with any inaccuracies here then. It's good news. Okay. So, apparently... They put trainee pilots in a flight simulator that is, that is able to recreate the atmosphere of an actual plane at high altitude. Pilots must be able to recognize if there is a systems failure on the plane. For example, a warning light goes off when the oxygen levels get too low. The backup oxygen is then used to keep everyone alive. But what do you do if the system that is to warn you of impending danger fails? And that's the point of this test. They've discovered that every person's body reacts differently to diminishing oxygen levels. One person's leg muscle may twitch while another will have the hair on their arms stand up. It really is that diverse. The one who runs the simulator uh, duplicates, uh, the oxyg- um, duplicates the atmosphere of a plane flying at high altitude. They then slowly cause the levels of the oxygen to diminish. The pilot is then to write down any sensation they feel in their body. And right before they pass out, the levels are restored to normal. 
So when they're through, uh, the pilot has a list of warning signs to help them realize that if while flying their leg muscle begins to twitch, they know to check the oxygen. It's pretty clever, isn't it? Without the training, the trainee pilots would not be able to recognize these signs. I wonder how in tune we are with recognizing the presence of God in our lives. So like these guys were trained to recognize a drop in oxygen, a change in the atmosphere. I wonder how attuned we are to recognizing a change in the atmosphere when the presence of God uh, uh, fills a place. Uh, are, we, are we aware that he has come? And I believe God's heart for each of us is that we become or learn to become more aware when his presence uh, particularly manifests in a place. I believe we can train ourselves, and, but also I believe for our young people, we can train them to recognize the presence of God in their lives as the practical example above. I've led groups where we've invited the presence of God um, to increase in an environment and asked them to pay close attention. What's going on in your body right now? What, what, is, what are you feeling that you didn't feel before? I'm also uh, keen to remind them, actually, when we do this, it's not about the feels, but it's about recognizing when God is here to do something in you, with you, or through you. So for everyone, it's different. Everyone uh, is designed differently. Everyone is unique. Everyone will respond to the presence of God in a different way. But I want to put it to you this morning that you were designed to recognize and respond to the presence of God. And your body was actually purposed to know uh, your maker's presence. And that will look different for each of you. Some of you may well have a twitch in your leg or the, uh, the hair on your arms stand up. And some of you may shake. Some of you may feel a weight. Uh, some of you may have this peace that comes uh, upon you. But you were made, you were designed by your maker to recognize him. There are uh, three levels of awareness, and again, what I want to uh, what I want to do in this is not highlight what we're lacking, but kind of paint a vision of where uh, that we can give our young people of the possibilities for them. We want great things for them, don't we? We don't want them just to have clean lives, just to clean up their act and get and behave well. We want them to impact and change the world. I hope you guys are in this because you want uh, your young people to affect their schools, to affect their families, to affect their neighbourhoods. If you've got a Bible again, uh, turn to Luke chapter 8, verse 43. It says this. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touch me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, again, I'm a, 
I'm a visual guy. I like to imagine what this was like. So you, you imagine Jesus walking down the road. He's got crowds of people. Imagine if we just, uh, uh, imagine if you guys gathered around me. I'm going to pretend to be Jesus in this moment. Uh, and you gathered around me and you're, you're hustling and bustling. And then someone out of nowhere just grabs just the edge of my shorts or something like that. This is kind of what's going on. So when Jesus stops in the middle and says, someone's just touched me. And you know, loud mouth, foot in your mouth, Peter says, Lord, everyone's touching you. What's the point? Jesus knew something in that moment. He was aware. Remember, the the Holy Spirit came and remained on him. It was said that he didn't just rest on him and then leave. He remained on him. So we know that Jesus always had that, that dove on his shoulder. He knew when someone made almost a withdrawal from him. He knew it immediately. I don't know if you've ever been so aware of the presence of God in your life, that you know when someone's made a withdrawal from your account. But I, I, would, I haven't, I'd love that. But I, I, I think there's, there's probably three levels of awareness of the presence of God. Many of you would have encountered God uh, in a worship setting. I lo- the worship this morning was incredible. Um, I'm gutted I've not come for the whole week. That would have been amazing. But you, you encounter the presence of God in in worship. There's an awareness. When we gather together corporately, uh, there is an, an awareness, a sense of the presence of God in there. Another level is there's an awareness of the Holy Spirit being released from us in ministry. And again, uh, you know, sometimes when you're ministering, you're, sorry, I've got a fly in my eye, uh, the, the, you are, uh, when you pray for someone, when you lay hands on someone, there is the presence of God, the power of God released from you in ministry. And then there's that third level that we see Jesus. Uh, he's not even praying for people, but the moment that someone by faith takes a withdrawal from, uh, from his account, he knows uh, that, that that demand has been made on him. And I want to put it to us this morning that our, our vision for our young people should not just be to encounter uh, the presence of God. And you know, as from my story earlier, how much that changed my life and anchored my life. But our vision should be for them to be people who release the presence of God intentionally and unintentionally. And I believe as they encounter him for themselves, as they're filled with his spirit, uh, they will leak the goodness of God into every, uh, every sphere of life, every uh, area where they have influence in life. That's my vision for our young people, that they are bold enough, they have courage to know who they have uh, resting on them, living inside them, and that they can release hope and God's goodness into every area of life. But I also want the young people to expect that even just in a handshake, that the presence of God is released. Even that as they walk around, even as they speak words of life, that the presence of God is released, even if they're not intentionally trying to release it. That's my, that's my hope for, for us. That's like my hope for the church. That's my hope for our young people, that they become so aware of him who rests on them that they can't help but change the atmosphere wherever they go. I hope you can get excited with that for me. The encounter, the personal encounter is so, so important. It, make, it, it makes God so much more real than the stuff in the world that can entice them. But we want them to release it. Just as I wrap up, I just want to give you a couple of thoughts about how we can uh, train our young people uh, to become aware of the presence of God and to release it in their lives. And uh, I'm not going to go into full detail with these, but I'll leave these for you uh, to, to start to process uh, with your leaders, with your groups. But here are some of the ways that you can release the presence of God uh, around you. The first one is through words. 
John uh, chapter 6, 63 says, The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. When you speak a word, when you speak hope into a hopeless situation, the presence of God comes and releases life to those around you. I wonder if you, when you are speaking to your young people, do you expect them just to gain information and knowledge? Or do you expect them to have a power encounter because of the the authority that is resting on you? The second one is through actions. John chapter 5, 19 uh, says this. Uh, Then Jesus answered and said unto them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. This whole thing of the, the, the presence of God, the dove, resting on you is to enable you to do as the Father is doing. To speak what the Father is speaking. To see what the Father sees in people. You can release the presence of God through actions. You can release the presence of God through an act of faith. Maybe this is going after healing. Doing something you couldn't do before. Um, You guys, uh, in previous years, um, I don't know if you've done it this year yet, but you have a night where you pray for healing. Adrian Holloway has, has done this for many years. That was the other night, last night. What he often does, he prays for people, and then he says, now try and do something you couldn't do before. So someone had uh, a leg that they couldn't bend. Well, try and bend it. And that's uh, through an act of faith. You're, you're doing an action before uh, you've seen anything happen. And it, sometimes in that action, that act of faith, that the presence of God is released and, you're, and the miracle comes. So sometimes it's not that the miracle comes and then you test it and it's happened. Sometimes it's in that act of faith that the presence of God is released. You've got a prophetic act, which is not too dissimilar. Um, Jesus instructed a blind man to go wash in the pool of uh, Siloam. Uh, The pool didn't contain miracle water, would you believe? Uh, But it was a blind man's prophetic act that released a miracle. So he did something completely unrelated to uh, to the miracle he was about to receive, but it was a prophetic act. He responded to something before he saw, um, saw what was happening. We, we talked about uh, touch, the laying on of hands earlier. That's a great way. Uh, that's a very common way, uh, particularly in our, um, in our movement of churches, that as we lay hands on people, we expect people to experience, encounter God, and for uh, miracles to be released in their lives. Compassion is my last two. Compassion is another one. You see, Jesus was moved by compassion, and he healed people. Being willing to love people with the love of Christ brings the miraculous to the forefront. We're not talking about feeling sorry for people, but we're talking about having empathy for where people are coming and meeting people where they're at in their distress. Having compassion for them and acting on that in the moment will release the presence of God into someone's situation. And then lastly, uh, a personal favorite of mine is worship. This has an unusual effect on our surroundings. We know uh, the Bible talks about God is enthroned. Some translations say he inhabits uh, our praises. So when we worship, uh, the presence of God is released. We know that in a corporate setting. We know that things change in that setting. How much faith have you got that as you worship with your young people, that there'll be young people there that turn their lives to Jesus, even without preaching the gospel? The gospel still needed to be preached. We still need to pray for healing. But even in the presence of God, uh, in the setting of worship, people can receive healing, meet Jesus as their savior. Presence is released in that place. I hope that's given you a a, a bit of a vision for young people in the presence of God. This stuff is key. We want people, uh, we want our young people to be filled with the knowledge of the Word of God, 
to be filled with his truth. We do want them to start to live like Jesus, start to look like Jesus. But we also want them to encounter him. For it's an encounter that he becomes more real to them than anything else in life. And that's our heart. You can give, uh, you can introduce someone to Jesus and Jesus will uh, lead them on through there. So that's my time. We'd love to pray for you guys. And I just have the sense, even in the heat now, just give your neighbor a quick blow. Even in the heat now, I just believe that God wants to meet with us. And there are some uh, people here that uh, are crying out to God for a refreshing I, just, I feel um, maybe there's some people here that have just been giving out and giving out and giving out. And this stuff, this youth work can be relentless, can't it? It can just be uh, endless. When is this stuff going to change? When am I going to get the help that I need? When are we going to have more team come on? When are these young people going to start to get it? But I feel that uh, Jesus wants to bring real refreshing to anyone that feels like that this morning. So I want to invite you to stand. We're just going to wait on him. And um, 